2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today.
3: Hi, I'm Lisa Smazarski, editor in chief of Stylist, and I'm Alex Walker, editor at large. And together, we are your brand new Workwives. Consider us the background noise to your PowerPoint presentation. The support you might need to get through a working day. Or the distraction. Yep, definitely that. Welcome to Working From Home with Stylist.
4: Coming up in today's episode, we have an interview with the Productivity Ninja.
3: Our entertainment director, Helen Bonus, will give her pick of the best box sets and films to binge whilst we're in lockdown.
4: Plus, we're taking a closer look at social media, the rise of comparison culture and our mental health.
3: So, a week working from home since lockdown and I have to say I am finding it quite tricky at the moment. I think my new home office is not quite what I dreamed it would be. I'm finding it really overwhelming. I just can't keep on top of all the different forms of communication that are flying at me at the moment.
4: Oh god, if another device pings at me, I think my brain's going to explode. I think the the biggest challenge for me has been all the new technology that I've been introduced to, so that endless Zoom chats, uh, the endless slacks, and suddenly now I've got about three different screens all open on my laptop. My phone is, bu- is beeping uh, endlessly and it just feels really, really hard to try and focus on getting any actual work done.
3: Mm, I think like you, we've both worked from home before, but actually when I've done that, it's because I want to concentrate on something or I want to work in silence. So, you know, it's been a retreat and I've actually been able to focus and been super productive actually. But I think now that everyone is working from home and we're all trying to keep in touch and show that we're working, the uh, alert systems are firing, everything's pinging and like beeping at us all the time. And, you know, that's really affecting my ability to focus.
4: Yeah, I think... There are just so many distractions when you're at home. Um, For me, the fridge is definitely distraction number one. I'm just. I mean, I like
3: that distraction. Snacking endlessly.
4: Um, But also, you know, the not so nice distractions are the cleaning. You know, I find it really hard to focus on work when the dishwasher. Mm. the endless amount of cleaning that needs to be done. Um, and also there's a lot of texts, you know, from friends and family at the mm. minute who are checking in. It's, it's a scary time, so, you know, and I feel scared and quite distracted by the, the news streams at the minute. Um, so, you know, that's, that's stopping me working as well. Um, but obviously we do need to get our work done. So I spoke to the really brilliantly named Productivity Ninja, Graham Alcott, for his tips on how to be productive when you are working at home. I think probably the biggest thing our readers are struggling with at the minute is focus. Um, Obviously before all of this happened, you know, we were on 24 hour email access and, you know, everything else, social media that was going on in our lives. um, I feel like my head already felt like um, it struggled with focus. And now that we've added Slack, Zoom and all of these new devices and bits of technology that I hadn't even heard of before I don't know if that makes me sound like a dinosaur but it's true and suddenly now I've just got people shouting at me from every single device how do you sort of zone that out a little bit take the bits that you need and just focus on actually getting your job done
2: yeah so one of the things I talk about in my book is the idea of ninja stealth and camouflage which is the idea of making yourself deliberately a bit less available Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the dangers that we face in you know, open plan offices and kind of normal office life is this idea of presenteeism and being kind of always on and always around and available. And weirdly we have the same thing happening when people work from home, this idea of digital presenteeism. So people always wanting to be available on their Skype or their instant messenger client or responding to emails even quicker than they would normally because they're working from home. There's almost like this guilt about working from home. Mm -hmm. So I think what's really important here is, Productivity is about making space for what matters and what that means is making some space to do really quality thinking and within that thinking making the space for the things on your to-do list that really matter most and renegotiating and saying no to the stuff that doesn't fit that bill so you know one of the things in in regular working life that people struggle with is finding the time and the space to do quality thinking And when everything feels like it's in flux and we're reacting to news and everything else that's happening, that's even harder. So making space for what matters is, is, you know, doubly crucial right now. It's a little bit like there's, um, there's a Buddhist saying which goes something like you should meditate for half an hour a day, except when you're busy, then you should meditate for an hour a day. Mm -hmm. And so the stuff that's good for us around, you know, doing quality thinking prioritization, having good systems around our productivity, it's actually more important in times of crisis and stress, not less. So, um, yeah, the the other thing to say on the team side of things is um, if you've got lots of different platforms, one of the things that we have done within Think Productive, my company, over the last um, sort of four or five years, really, because we've been using Zoom and Slack and and various other things um, pretty relentlessly, but we've got a comms manifesto. So this is a really uh, good idea for your team. If If you're leading a team and struggling with this kind of stuff right now, is is raise this in a meeting and say, right, what platform do we use for what purpose? Mm. And so do we just use WhatsApp as the last resort urgent purpose? And do we use email for everything that needs to be official? And do we use Slack for more, you know, generic kind of replace the water cooler you know small talk or whatever but like just having those kind of conversations in a team Mm -hmm. will actually just stop the flow as well so part of it's about you know stealth and camouflage and your personal survival and part of it is about trying to make the culture as well set up you know to to kind of serve you to do good work as well I think both Mm -hmm. things kind of need to be addressed really
4: yeah that's a really good point because it is I've got emails and slack and I'm completely losing focus on what is the purpose of both of them
2: and which one do I check? Right. So if you think yeah. about um, one of the easiest ways to get stressed is to feel like there's incomplete stuff that needs your attention. And mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, LinkedIn and email and Slack and WhatsApp and phone and text, if you've got 15 places to check, then you're going to be you're going to feel, you know, out of control as soon as you've checked half of them. It's, it mm-hmm. becomes like sort of painting the fourth bridge. Right. You just never get to the end. So trying to limit those number of buckets and number of places to go check is, um, you know, really important. I think
4: Mm -hmm. you talked a lot then about quality thinking. And I think one of the things a lot of people will be struggling right now is how it's feeling anxious. You know, the news stream is relentless. It's a really, really anxious making time. Um, and I think that does really cloud my thinking and I'm sure a lot of our listeners thinking as well, how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with sort of focusing on your work when everything around you seems so scary?
2: Yeah, well, okay, a couple of things on that. Firstly, I would say just be aware of the psychology of that and the part of the brain that is activated during times of crisis. And that's a part of the brain called the amygdala, often referred to as the lizard brain. So this is the part of the brain that gives us fight or flight thinks about survival, thinks about territory, hunger, reproduction, very base sort of human emotions. And everybody is a bit hackles up with their lizard brain right now. Everybody's thinking, Oh my God, what does this mean for my family and for me? And you know uh, and hence you get all the you know panic buying and and all these kind of Mm -hmm. other things the more rational part of the brain is what it creates community whatsapp groups and let me help my neighbor and all the other things that are going on but everyone feels a little bit of that that lizard brain thinking right now Mm -hmm. so when you're aware of that there's a few things you can do one is um, think about the acronym HALT so never make decisions when you're hungry angry lonely or tired Uh, That's a really good thing. So, you know, Mm. if if it's the end of the day and you're fried with something, just (laughs) sit with it and say, I'm going to sleep on this and come back to it tomorrow. Um, Try to give yourself as many possible ways for your lizard brain to just calm down. So part of that is about, you know, perhaps mind mapping some of the worst case scenarios onto paper. And suddenly, once you can see them on paper, you kind of realize, hang on, that's not logical. Um, You know, I'm kind of overthinking it. Um, I'm overreacting or whatever just sometimes just almost like exercising that lizard a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, will just tire it out and you'll just end up starting to think more rationally Um, in terms of the how you interact with news and media and all that sort of stuff um, most people's lizard brain reaction is to check 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 the news more 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 and to be on social media panicking more Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my colleagues said to me the other day, their observation was there's a direct correlation between the people who he sees are coping with this better and feel like they're happier and less anxious, and the people who are just actively on social media a lot less and looking at news a lot less and all of that. Hard to do, but here's the, um, here's the good news is, if you don't check, if, if you're not watching the TV bulletins every day and you know, uh, reading lots of stuff on Facebook, all the stuff that you need to see will be sent your way by other people, Yeah. right? So I haven't watched a single one of the TV news updates, the, like the five o'clock briefings. Uh, but someone sends me the one-liner going, oh, there's going to be this thing for employers. I'm like, okay, cool. I've got the headline. Mm-hmm. And maybe once a day, I'll just log on and have a look at the BBC um, sort of headlines. I never really look at the articles, but the headlines always headline always tells you what the whole thing's going to say anyway. Okay. Um, so I, my my news and social media combined is like, 10 minutes a day if that right now and i heard someone the other day saying try and limit yourself to only two hours of news a day i just thought that's absurd you know as fast as this is moving you know we like all need more of a focus on our own stuff our family our immediate people around us like you know you can help your neighbors and friends because we can control the stuff that's closest to us you can't control what boris johnson's going to say or what Mm -hmm. the science is telling us or whatever those are things that are outside of our control so much better to sort of use that time and attention to really focus practically on what we can do to help, um, you know, rather than, um, you know, sort of sitting there grim-faced uh, looking at another news bulletin. I, I always notice this more like in general life, right, when this isn't happening, I notice when I go out, when I stay at my parents' house, how many hours of news they watch and also mm. how many hours of news they watch that they already know, like they know <laughs> the headlines already and uh, they're, literally they're watching the roundup of the headlines that they watched two hours before you know sometimes so i think it, generally the idea of a low information diet is good in the best of times and it's definitely uh, it keeps you sane in the worst of times
4: i think i'm going to go deal with my lizard brain <laughs> right now pleasure. it's something i'm guilty of yes and uh, hopefully we'll chat soon um, i'm sure there'll be more things that our uh, listeners are keen to hear of as the podcast goes forward so thank you sounds good what do you think lisa
3: I've got to say, I think he makes a lot of really interesting ballad points. Um, digital presenteeism was really on my mind, actually, for our team when we all started to work remotely. I think probably because it's something that I'm prone to do myself. I really found, actually, when I... Um, was on maternity, sorry, when I came back from maternity leave and I started to work a day a week, that I would try and be more and more present digitally because I felt the guilt of not being in the office. And I think I know, I've sort of come to terms with that and I try not to do it anymore. And I know that's my issue, not anyone else's issue. But also, I know lots of people think and behave like that. So as we left our office to work from home, I did send an email to the team saying, we know you're working. We trust you. Like, don't feel like you need to be visible on um, email or on Slack just because you're not in the office. So, so that really strikes a chord with me. Um, the other bit I really like that he's talking about is the communication manifesto um and actually because I think this is something all of us are quite bad at actually which is communicating what we need and how we need it but I love this collective idea of making an an agreement with your team about when to use email when to use slack and when to use whatsapp which probably is the most intrusive of all of those forms of communication because it is personal it's usually for your friends um and I like that I think probably I'll implement that actually I really like introducing that for the team because I know that I personally have been jumping between slack and email and I can see that in other people and it's you know is slack the chatty one quick exchanges does email have another job I need to think about it a bit more I think but I really like those ideas what what clicked for you
4: I think that we'll probably change a lot of our working practices, not just us as stylists, but everybody. Now we've seen what we can do at home. Now we've seen how we can work remotely and use all these bits of technology as sort of overwhelming as they are to me at the minute. It has made me realise how much there is on offer to us to be able to not be tied to a desk in such structured hours. So hopefully, you know, that's one slight positive we can take from this very, very strange time.
3: Yeah, it's really useful, actually. Loads of food for thought. Hmm. Well,
4: uh, you can find more from the brilliant Productivity Ninja at his website, thinkproductive.co.uk, in his books, and also his downloadable
3: productivity
4: programmes, which are available on his website.
3: Now we're all in lockdown, we're all trying to find different ways to pass the time. Our ingenuity hasn't been lost to me. It took all of five days for anyone with a company Zoom account to work out you can actually use it to have drinks on a Friday night. But the truth is, for so many of us, we're feeling far too overwhelmed to make small talk or big talk at the moment. And after a day of working from home, we're looking for something a bit more lean back on the sofa and don't have to talk, which is where the faithful box set and binge TV comes in. But when you feel like you've already watched the whole of Netflix, where do you go next? Luckily, our entertainment director, Helen Bonus is always on standby to give us a list of the less obvious shows we should be watching right now. Here's her top five. My first pick is Tiger King, Murder,
5: Mayhem and Madness. If you've been anywhere near social media recently, you'll have seen people talking about Tiger King. And honestly, it's worth the hype. The latest Netflix true crime series, and it's wild. Set in the USA, it's about big cat owners like the incredibly named Joe Exotic. But the documentary quickly turns into a crazy story about murder, about polygamy, drugs, throuples, cult like leaders, and even someone that might have fed her ex husband to a tiger. It's weird and wonderful with the most outrageous twists and turns. And honestly, I just urge you to watch it. Number two is a returning drama that I am very excited about, Save Me 2. Save Me came out in 2018 and it was a brilliantly gripping, original and complex drama about a man played by Lenny James who was searching for his missing daughter alongside heavyweight British actors like Saran Jones and Stephen Graham. It didn't get huge amounts of traction at the time, but it was one of those shows, if you know, you know. Series 2 is back on Sky Atlantic on April 1st, and Leslie Manville joins the cast, and it does not disappoint as Lenny continues the search for his daughter. Third on my list is Feel Good. This is a sitcom written by and starring comic Mae Martin. It's partly autobiographical and she plays a young woman who's navigating life post addiction, a new girlfriend who refuses to call herself a lesbian, and a strange relationship with her mum, played by the ever magnificent Lisa Kudrow. It's a show about shame and identity and addiction, and it's very funny. It's all on Channel 4, but I am rationing it weekly to prolong the pleasure. Fourth, we have The Nest. I've got really into this BBC drama about surrogacy and the lengths some people will go to to have a baby of their own. It stars Martin Compston from Line of Duty, who speaks in his original Glaswegian accent, which is an utter thrill, and Sophie Rundle from Peaky Blinders and Bodyguard. Um, They play a couple who pay a young girl to be a surrogate for them in return for £50,000. Throws up some really interesting moral questions about humankind and the lengths people will go to get what they want and who people really are behind closed doors. Spoiler alert, it's really what we expect. And finally, the MASH report. I think we can probably all agree that right now the news is a dark and deeply depressing place largely well nish Kumar, ellie taylor and rachel paris are back on bbc2 on april 3rd with the mash reports for a wry take on the day's headlines and topical insight all filmed in the cast homes while they self-isolate as they say if you don't like jokes and analysis you will at least get to see inside the houses
3: of some very minor celebrities have fun watching All five of those shows sound pretty good to me. But I have to say, I think The Nest might be top of my list. Thank you so much, Helen. You can find Helen's regular list of box sets and film recommendations each week on stylist.co.uk.
4: Alongside watching way more TV and listening to more podcasts, I found myself spending an increasing amount of time on social media. I'm going to really embarrass myself here and say my screen time last week was seven hours a day. Seven actual hours. A lot of of that is misery scrolling through news, uh, scaring myself silly on Twitter, which I've actually just deleted the app because it is scaring me silly. Uh, And my children watching bizarre YouTube videos while I try to work. But I am also spending a lot of time on Instagram. Now, I do love Instagram. I find it a really inspiring place, especially right now, actually, as people are sharing so much brilliant content. I've been loving the bread ahead, bread tutorials. Um, I've had a go at quite a few things, especially their amazing cinnamon buns. Um, And I'm loving our stylist breakfast club. Um, But it can also send me down a proper rabbit hole of negatively comparing myself with other people, which seems to be amped up even more right now. Everything from The Relentless, look how brilliant my homeschooling is.
3: Oh my God, the homeschooling. I mean, look, we're both parents and we're in a different position to many, but... It's been crazy because actually the idea of trying to hold down a job while also giving your children any form of education is laughable. And I've got a brilliant support group of friends on WhatsApp, but I felt completely overwhelmed last night. There were so many links. I just couldn't get my head into that space at all. And I just felt all the time like, am I letting my kids down? Because other people have got really fun, creative, interesting tasks the kids are like churning out novels and mine are like begrudgingly holding a pencil and scrawling <laughs> like it's you know a piece of a knife on a piece of wood. I mean <laughs> it's just it's all so painful. I'm like am I a failure as a parent? It's just it's just completely nuts. And that and that is, you know, social media is doing that to me a hundred percent.
4: It's everything though. I feel like people are exercising at a minute like they're preparing for the Olympics.
0: Man, um, man,
4: woo! Oh God, they get in their full kit just to go into their living room. They're lifting weights. They're lifting sofas. And then the other thing is people's corona supplements. I feel like people have entire regimes. Uh, now, obviously, I, I'm. Trying to take vitamin D. I'm doing a bit with the vitamin C. But people have got entire pharmacies that they're they parading you through, and I'm feel like, oh God, I'm not doing enough. People batch cooking. I'm just, you know, smearing a bit of avocado that I've got lurking in the back of my fridge on some toast. I think I think all of it right now, it just it just shows how dangerous this comparison culture is. I actually wrote a feature on it in January after we surveyed Stylist readers. And we found out some pretty shocking statistics, actually. 68% said they felt pressure to have a perfect lifestyle because of Instagram. 83% said social media negatively affects their self-esteem. 44% of readers compare experience with others, which I am absolutely um, at fault of as well. 33% benchmark where they're at in their life compared with their peers. So that's things like looking at whether or not their peer... um, is successful in relationships, in their career, whether or not they've got a house or whether or not they've started um, having children. And then the biggest uh, comparison trigger was uh, those who made li- life look easy. Uh, you know, the people who seem to, yeah, I can cook an amazing meal while having an amazing job and everything is just so easy and there's no mess or chaos going on in the background whatsoever. Because I think you know life is anything but easy so when we see somebody who makes it look like it is we we just instantly have this pang of oh my god i'm not living up to who or what i should be
3: yeah the thing i find fascinating about that is that everyone thinks that as well everyone has someone who they think is making life look easy and I don't know whether that is people faking it and sort of hiding bits of their lives or maybe some people really do feel like that they're lucky enough to have that but but I am fascinated by the fact that we might envy someone who in return might envy us or one of our peers you know it's just this massive cycle of us putting ideas on other people and thinking we have to live up to them but I think the most shocking stat for me when we did this survey was this um we we asked we asked women and these are women like you and me smart interested women women who are pushing for equality in all its forms and who actually do know not to believe everything they see they have a healthy dose of cynicism but these women um when we asked them if they would consider themselves have high self-esteem only one in ten did and I just find that devastating because This is about comparison in mainstream media, so it's something for us to think about as a media brand, as well as in social media. Um, And it's a factor I think we all need to do something about, and that feels particularly heightened for me at the moment. Maybe then in times of stress, these things come out even more, but, you know, I know that certainly for me, I've had a lot more of that over the past couple of weeks, as you were just saying. Um, I mentioned homeschooling for me as being a bit of a trigger. What are the triggers for you?
4: Oh, So many. I think one thing that really gets me is people who've got immaculately tidy houses. I think as much as I love, you know, I love interiors and I, you know, I try my best, my house is is just general chaos most of the time and these people who seem to have these perfectly you know perfect corners with their perfect plant over here it does just make me think oh god how do they manage that
3: i'm i'm obsessed with that as well and what i can't understand is and this actually happens when i go around to people's houses as well so i think we can keep this going in real life but where do people put their washing i mean like I've got washing everywhere. I just like feel like a laundrette in my house. And obviously, in winter, you've got to put on a clothes era. But it's just all those things. The reality of life is that we have stuff around us. We have junk around us. And of course, every perfect picture we see of an interior makes us feel slightly inferior, interior inferior, um, of, of, of the lives that we live, even if we actually got quite nice homes, you know. Mm. I mean, I'm saying this, I've got to be honest, next to a mouldy banana, which I've just seen uh, in front <laughs> of me on the table. But, you know, that that's the truth, though. You know, how many pictures do you see of the mouldy banana?
4: It's so true. I actually, in my view right now, have some... Insectual moth killer, uh, which tells you all you need to know about where I'm sat. It
3: I feels think... a bit savage, actually, as a vegetarian. I'm, I'm just not sure.
4: <laughs> Wait until they do damage on your cashmere jumper, Lisa, and then talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm terrible with people with really tidy homes, because I'm very jealous of that ability. But I think I do, you know, it's especially with career, I think, oh, you know, I feel really great. I've got a job I absolutely love. And then I see somebody that's got a great job, but they've also got a side hustle, they've started selling some amazing, you know, crafting thing that they're doing, or they're doing some amazing charity work. And I think, oh, God, I'm just not doing enough with my time. But then, dear God, I haven't got another minute of time. So how, how are they doing that?
3: Yeah, it's yeah. I th- I think there's a lot around that. Career, obviously, is a big trigger point. And I think some of this is envy, obviously, but some of it, that envy is rooted in, well, I should be better and I should be working harder or doing more. I also find it around cultural stuff. So people who are referencing lots of, you know, very highbrow films or the books. I mean, I barely get through a book, I have to say, even though I love reading, you know, it's a passion of mine, but I can't imagine uh, going to bed at half past 11 and cracking open a book right now. Um, you know, anything that just seems more culturally enriched than the life I am managing to live at the moment.
4: I think so many people will relate to all of those triggers, actually. I think the, the thing when I was writing the feature um, that really interested me was just that how innate comparison is Uh, one one bit of research uh, found that actually even monkeys do it Um, there was a a study where um, they had some monkeys they were all happily playing and in exchange for playing I think they got like carrots and um, then some of those carrots got exchanged for grapes and suddenly all of them monkeys that had carrots went crazy with the monkeys that had grapes and you're just like even monkeys do it and of course I think you only need to look at kids when they're fighting over you know whatever next toy it is from the age of one or two to see that it just starts really young I think of course it doesn't help at all that the media constantly pit women against each other
3: I mean, this just makes me absolutely livid. It's the whole Megan versus Kate, Kirby versus thin, mothers versus non-mothers, who wore it best. I mean, it's just an absolute minefield and it happens all the time.
4: It's relentless. Um, I actually spoke about this with Lucy Sheridan. She's the UK's first comparison coach. She's actually written a book called The Comparison Cure, which is brilliant, full of really, really useful tips on how to beat this if it's something that you suffer from. But Regarding the, uh, this pitting women against each other, she said part of the issue is that there's often only one woman. So there's the, fi- the female lead, there's the female director, the one female boardroom member. And when there is this scarcity, that that's when that ugly competition absolutely thrives. If we see lots and lots of examples of women do well, we feel it doesn't affect us in the same way. And that really stood out for me.
3: Mm. although I think the irony is so often not the women who are in those roles you know it's like it's a world looking at them assuming that if there was a contender who happened to be another woman a second director or a second board member mm. then actually the woman would somehow feel threatened by that because that is her territory and I just that that's what's so frustrating to me you know as we've spent the last 10 years on a brand who really champion women and who celebrate women and who we want more women alongside us and I just find that's what I find so frustrating because you kind of go is this just so ingrained in society and culture that we assume therefore that there's scarcity therefore the women must be in competition or do we actually believe that we want more women by our side I totally believe the latter um But anyway, I feel like I've digressed a little bit there, but I I think these are really big issues and they're so intertwined. When it gets back to the changes that we can make in our lives, what did she suggest we do about it?
4: she said how much responsibility we have for the media that we consume and how it affects Mm. us. So, you know, a lot of that is looking at how you respond to your social media. And if something triggers a negative feeling inside you, one, to sit with that feeling and really try and understand what what it is. So, you know, if I look at somebody's house and that house is really tidy and it makes me feel rubbish, to rather than just knee-jerk delete that person or just throw my phone or what have you to sit and actually think about why I'm feeling how I'm feeling and spend a bit of time addressing that.
3: I mean I'm not very good with sitting with my feelings to be <laughs> it's something I need to work on definitely I'm like that just sounded terrifying.
4: <laughs> but, but I think it's true I think I think it is a really valuable thing to do mm. uh, and of course the other thing is you know you have full control over your social feeds so if something if people make you feel bad, if people make you feel inferior, you don't need to view that content. You can view content that makes you feel good about yourself, that makes you feel empowered or what have you. So that, And there is that a was... lot of
3: good stuff out there. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but that's the thing. We, it's so easy to criticise, but I, I like the idea of taking responsibility. I think that's good.
4: Yeah. Oh, God. Instagram has got so much amazing, amazing people to follow. The second thing, um, which slightly refers to the first as well, is just not having these knee-jerk reactions. Um, Social media is not going anywhere. So this Mm. thing where we delete Instagram off of our phone because it's made us feel bad. And then a week later, we slowly come round to it without making any changes. And that circle just keeps going round and round. that's, That's a really bad way to look at it because social media will continue to be part of our lives we have to work out how we can make it be a positive part of our lives rather than having a knee-jerk reaction to it Mm. the the other one is understanding obviously how much half truths exist in social how much editing there is and realizing that most of what you see isn't really a reality it's no surprise but really properly spending the time to say okay that's what I'm seeing, but that's probably not the truth. And I think I often think that that's easier for us as magazine editors to do because we spend so much of our time picking the right picture, editing the the copy and things like that. But I think it's really useful for everybody to see that um most of what you see isn't a full truth.
3: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, and something I think we should pledge to do about taking down some of those barriers, explaining the process that goes into creating media. It's really valuable, I think
4: yeah we we made a big pledge didn 't we to sort of stop this myth of perfection when it comes to women? Stop saying that women have, you know are supposed to have it all or they, they find life easy because that 's not true for anybody and the more that we can show these imperfections, the fact that women sweat or, you know, women have hair where they're not supposed to have it or women feel things that they maybe traditionally weren't supposed to feel. The more that we can tell people that and share it and be honest about it, I think it's really, that's really something that is important for us as a brand to do. Yeah. The, the last uh, thing that I thought was worth mentioning as well, actually, is so much of our reaction, to, especially when it comes to the benchmarking comparison that we feel, is we don't feel like we're quite sure where we are in our life or whether or not we're completely satisfied with where we are in our our life. Um, And so she suggested that every year, every January, you give yourself a word of the year of which you view everything that happens in your life. So, for example, her word, I believe last year was content. So that's the word that she kind of viewed everything to, through, through. So, you know, she'd look at a piece of work and rather than comparing it to somebody else, she'd think, did that work make me content? Is that relationship making me content? And just suddenly when you're looking at it through your own agenda rather than other people's agenda, and you're very clear what your own agenda is, that really helps. And I thought that was a really useful bit of advice as well, actually.
3: Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, it all really boils down to about taking control of the media that you consume, not being passive in that relationship. You know, we have choices. We can choose to pick up a magazine. We can choose to go to our Instagram feed. We can choose who we follow when we get there. Um, I I like that. I like the idea because actually that makes me feel quite positive and in control which I think is so much of this comparison culture is about feeling out of control so I think that's really I mean loads of things I think I'll act on personally
4: yeah I think the biggest thing that we can do is just ensure that we display the most realist version of ourselves on mm. social media moth killer in front of us and all I'd say yep. just yep. not edit out the mess to share you know the sloppy messy angry parts of ourselves, and I'm making a real concerted effort to do that myself
3: yeah I'd agree with that I think that's the pledge that you and I have to make that for the next few months we're going to show the truest version of ourselves the mouldy banana the moth killer the random piles of clean washing that need to be put away the slightly dirty hoodies because it, it, it really isn't perfect and I would hate anyone to think that actually
4: I would hate anybody to think that so yeah a total
0: deal from me
3: One of the things about office life that so many of us are missing is the inane office banter. At Stylist HQ, one of our favourite things to do in those energy-zapped moments is to rank things. And we regularly debate in heated detail things like chocolate bars. I'm a dairy milk woman. Pizza toppings. Fiorentina for me. London tube lines. Uh, Victoria Line, clearly the best and online at stylist.co.uk, we've even commissioned writers to ask Australians to rate British snacks and Brits to rank American candy there is nothing we're not prepared to put on a list so we thought it would be a good idea during this time of isolation to ask some famous friends of stylists to rank their favourite things to offer us some much needed fun distraction some light to the shade in our new at home existences Our brave first candidate is actress and star of years and years and the rook, Ruth Maidley, who has decided to rank her favourite crisps. That's right, we're pulling out the big guns for episode one.
1: Hiya, it's Ruth Madeley, and I just wanted to drop in and say I hope you're all staying as safe and as healthy as possible during this really weird time that we're all having to live through. And I also wanted to give you my top 10 favourites. Now, my top 10 has a theme which I feel is very fitting for this time, and that is my top 10 favourite crisps to snack on. Snacking is everything when you're in isolation, and I wish I was one of those people that would snack on oranges and avocado toast and hummus and all of those healthy things, which I try to do, but during this time, I just can't resist having a cupboard full of crisps, which is something I would never do during my day-to-day life, which seems like a distant memory now, but during my normal day-to-day life, I wouldn't have them in the house because I have no self-control when it comes to crisps. But here we are, all rules fly out the window at this moment in time. So here are my top 10 favorite crisps. Now these are in no order because I don't feel that I could put them in order of favorites. So they're just a general 10 favorite crisps of all time. So number one, Doritos. I absolutely love Doritos. I think my favorite is tangy cheese, but I do like a good cool original. But they have to have the lots of flavour on them. Not the pathetic ones that don't have much flavour on at all. I like them when they're really, really tangy. And they're even better when you've got a bit of salsa to dip into. Number two. A flavour of crisps that have always been one of my favourites are Walker's Prawn Cocktail. I used to love them when I was a kid and they've stayed with me all of my life. I will never not love Prawn Cocktail Crisps. Number three. Salt and vinegar McCoys. You you just get a really good crisp with McCoys. They're so thick and they're with the ridges and all the flavour gets stuck in the ridges and they're really, really salty and vinegary and just, oh, perfect. Love making a crisp butty out of those as well. That's a good shout. Number four, Cheetos, the cheese Cheetos. Now, I always have these whenever I am in America. I go on holiday to Florida quite a bit. And um, I just love eating them there. And I feel that when you're on holiday and you're in a foreign country, the calories don't count. So I take that to the extreme and eat my body weight in Cheetos. And I don't regret one bit of it until I come home and stand on the scales. Number five, my dad used to eat these all the time when me and my sister were growing up. And they are T-bone steak roister's. Now you don't see them around loads but Roysters are a really good crisp and every time I eat them or share a bag with my dad it makes me really really happy. Number six, sometimes you can't beat a plain hula hoop. Just the ready salted hula hoop. You put five of them balanced on your fingers and you eat them and life's just great. Love a plain hula hoop. Number seven, now I love the salt and vinegar discos purely because they are that vinegary and salty that they kind of blow your head off. And I really, really love that when you can't feel your tongue anymore because they're that tangy. Love those. Number eight, pickled onion monster munch. Reminds me of my childhood. We used to have them at school and the taste just It just It's just gorgeous. Just love it. I mean, not for anyone else who's around you because they are really, really bad on your breath afterwards. But um, who cares? We're in isolation, right? So load up on the pickled onion monster munch. Number nine, knickknacks. I love the ribbon saucy ones, which are the ones that come in a purple packet. I cannot get those for love nor money delivered to my house. So I'm having to live without those at the minute, which I'm finding particularly devastating. But yeah, knickknacks, really good crisp. And number 10, bugles. The Walker's Bugles, the Tangy Cheese ones, they are so good. They have got such a good taste to them and they're shaped like a little bugle, which I just love. And yeah. That's my top 10 of favourite crisps. But I do feel there has to be a special mention to mini cheddars. Now, some people... I've had this argument many times over the years. Some people refer to mini cheddars as crisps. Some refer to them as crackers. So, it felt wrong to not put them on my list because I do love them. And I've just got the Mantry Jack flavour, which is so good. So, they're keeping me company during isolation. But yeah, I feel that mini cheddars need a special mention for all those who feel that they should be on the crisps list. So with my top 10 in mind, I am going to go and first have an orange so that I can say I've been slightly healthy and then I may put a film on and snack on some bugles. So I hope you enjoyed my top 10. If anybody has any other crisps that they feel should be on my top 10 list, please let me know because i there may be some that I've not tried and that I might have to make my top 20 next time rather than top 10. But thank you so much for listening to me talk about snacking and I've made myself hungry now. So I'm going to shoot, but stay healthy, stay safe. And I'm sending you lots of love and I will see you all really, really soon when we can all hug again and live out in the world. Lots
3: of love. Bye guys. Now, although I respect Ruth greatly, there is only one or two I'd agree with on that list. Give me a pickled onion monster munch or a Cheeto and I'm a happy woman, but mini cheddar is not a crisp. Now conversations like this can get quite heated, but we do want to know what your favorite crisps are. So if you agree or disagree with me or with our very special guest speaker, Ruth Maidley, then you can get involved with the conversation in our facebook group working from home with stylists you can dm us on our instagram account or you can leave the comments in the podcast store either way it's important stuff so take it seriously we'll be sharing more of our well-known friends king of lists next episode we're ending our new podcast with an alternative thought for the day. So we've commissioned our poet in residence, stylist, commercial editorial director, Susan Riley, to end with her musings on our new lives working from home.
4: Whether it's snacking, procrastinating or laughing at viral videos of women on the toilet during office Zoom chats, Susan has a strange ability to make anything rhyme.
3: Think of her as the Pam airs of 2020.
4: Welcome to Alternative Thought for the Day.
3: Flexible working we've always desired
6: healthy work-life balance we've always admired, to work from home whenever we please, any bosses on board being quite the bee's knees. Now that chance is here, the opportunity's risen, and those pesky commutes are no longer our prison. Yes, granted at first it's going to feel odd, but we're in this together, like peas in a pod. Freelancers out there might think, what's the fuss? And I see what you're getting at, only it's just, even the great self-employed of the nation would never sign up for pure self-isolation. But it's here, we get it. It's a necessary evil. So let's list the ways that we felt the upheaval. First, do we shower or bother changing pants when there's no one with whom to exchange morning bants? Do we waste high-end makeup when there's no one to see? Or do we yell in the mirror, I'll do it for me! and head downstairs in posh office attire, belting out show tunes like we think we're Mariah? Next, should we desk it or sprawl on our beds? Remember, we're working, not catching zeds. Should we make a faux tea round and clink a few cups? then post it on Insta for the crowds to go nuts. Because it doesn't take much for a vid to go viral. Make a hand pop cars and watch how things spiral. Okay, no more distractions. Let's get back to work. It's essential we look like we're not trying to shirk. To be freely available on each single portal, to be super efficient, almost like we're not mortal. We're not slacking, we're zooming or hanging via Google, treating each conversation as if it's most crucial. The best bit by far seeing inside colleagues' homes. The artwork, the plant life, what they've got in their zones. The paint colours on walls you wouldn't have figured. The not-yet-stained sofa they've just had delivered. If you're lucky, you'll spot a child or a cat. Anything, really, to steer off work chat. And when we're not live-streaming, the best distraction, by far and above, is snack biscuit action. Jaffa cakes, Oreos, the humble rich tea... The snack gang's all here. Oh no, look, it's just me. To consume all that baking I did yesterday. I've run out of flour now. Probs better that way. Maybe instead I will go for a run. When all of the tasks for the morning are done. Or turn on Joe Wicks and his PE workout. No, not for the exercise. It's just to hang out. Because loneliness hits way more than we thought. But this plan isn't one from which we can abort. So while we adapt to this strange new reality...
3: Team Stylist is here with support and joviality. Ah, oh, jivality, what a word to finish on, eh?
4: That is such a talent, honestly. She has somehow managed to tick every single thing that we've been talking about, thinking about
3: and and make it all rhyme. She has. Well, more from her in our next episode. But I think that's probably the perfect place to leave it today. Except no day at Stylist HQ is complete without asking the compulsory office question. And I swear, thanks to our photography director, Tom Gorma, the whole office genuinely has this chat daily. So Alex, what are you having for dinner tonight? Ooh, tonight I'm having
4: spiced chickpea stew with coconut. Delicious! Um, it honestly, it's so good. It's um, it's an Allison Roman recipe. She's this uh, New York Times uh, food columnist that I've got into recently. I follow her on Instagram, and oh, she's her recipes are brilliant. They're really easy, really tasty really good when when we're actually allowed to eat with our friends again really good to to cook for a crowd Uh, and this one is is brilliant actually for right now it's pretty much made it's chickpeas uh everything that you can have in in your cupboards actually so I've been making
3: loads of it um and it's lovely how about you sounds delicious also it's like batch cooking isn't it I'm guessing you're gonna be eating that all week and it's all your tinned goods I mean it ticks every boxes I'm impressed uh, I have actually got a feta and spinach phyllo pie planned partly again because it's I make this quite often actually can't even remember I got the recipe from originally but um, it's really easy to knock up it looks more impressive than it actually is and it actually stores brilliantly so you can have it for lunch cold or later in the week um and yeah it's one of my staples and my go-to I'm going to be enjoying it later
4: I need that recipe, actually. I love I love a spinach and feta.
3: Oh, it's delicious, delicious. Right, before we go today, we want to ask you to help us with some future episodes of Working From Home with Stylist. We want to know what you want to know more about, what your best tips are for working from home, and also what you're having for dinner. Or set us a question we have to answer.
4: That's right. You can DM us on the Stylist Instagram account, leave your suggestions for us in the Working From Home With Stylist Facebook group, or even better, send us a voice note to wfh at stylist.co.uk so we can use them in the podcast.
3: Please don't forget to subscribe because coming up in our next episode, we've got our ultimate audiobook recommendations and we'll be dissecting our next cover feature in more detail. Thanks for listening to Working From Home with Stylist. Stay safe and come back soon. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?